how do you feel about nutritional labels? Are you one of the uh, folks that like to take a look at the food packaging and compare one item against another according to the nutritional labels that are printed thereon? I'd like to share with you today uh, some uh, uh, nutritional labels of some of my closest food friends. Uh, you'll see on the screen uh, that on the, uh, on the left side of it, uh, this is the label for cinnamon strudel bread from Costco. In fact, all three of these items are from Costco. In this bread, there is um, 210 calories per slice, and every single calorie is just filled with deliciousness. The, the one in the middle is from the back of a package uh, of caramel cheese popcorn. You know, the invention of this snack is on par with the invention of penicillin. Both are necessary for health and well-being. The third label is from the back of a canister of these salted dark chocolate caramels. Oh my goodness, are they good. Now, here's what makes these three products so good during a pandemic. It's the combination of fats and sugars. If you have high fat and you throw in a lot of sugar, well, it just has to be good. What if there was a label for you and for me? A nutritional label of sorts. Uh, 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 in fact, we may call it a spiritual label. Something that indicated uh, our own health. In fact, what if the stuff, the ingredients that, that uh, produced spiritual incredibleness was already inside of you, that you already had access to it. Well, that's what we're exploring this whole year. This year, we've adopted the theme, I Belong. Uh, and we'll speak about it in various sermon series, and there'll be different ministries and programs that'll be a part of it, trying to keep that conversation going. What does it mean to belong, to, uh, to make the statement, I belong? Last week, we introduced uh, the Heidelberg Catechism. It's a teaching tool that, was, uh, that came out during the Protestant Reformation. And it's a series of questions and answers that would encourage discussion. And it was all built on, script, uh, on, on Scripture. Um, so the first question, what is your only strength in life and in death. In other words, what is, what is your only comfort? What, what is your defining strength in life and death? In, in all of who you are, what is your only strength or comfort? And the answer given is that, uh, that I belong, that I belong in body and soul and in life and death, in all of who I am, nothing held back, in all of who I am, that I belong not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. To belong to Jesus as our defining strength, our only comfort in life and in death, body and soul. You know, you might say, well, that sounds pretty deep, all-encompassing, defining. Uh, is that something we really want, or is it only for a uh, certain few? Well, not only is it defining and differentiating and deep and, and special, but it's also common. It's something that every single follower of Christ 
is able to claim that they belong. I belong. Now here at the beginning of the year, we're actually going to use I belong as the title for our sermon series. And we're going to use a single passage and work our way through it over a number of weeks. And each week we'll read the entirety of the passage and then we'll just focus on a couple of verses. So if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you, open it up to Colossians chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 6 through 15. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. Hear the word of God. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. May God bless the reading of his word and may God bless our time together as well. So as we jump into this text, there are three quick things that would be helpful if we address right away before we spend time on uh, where I think it would be helpful for us to focus today. When we first jump into the text, we find this word received, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. Received. Do you know when it was that you received Christ? You know, some of us grew up in the church, and we've all always known about Christ, and, and we can't think of a time where Christ wasn't a part of our lives. For me, it was in sixth grade. Now, I've shared this story before, but in sixth grade, there was this time where I, I didn't know that God really existed. I, I didn't know that there was this real entity, and then because of some circumstances, um, God used that, that encounter uh, to allow me to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. Not just the good news, but Jesus himself. And over the course of, uh, of the, uh, the years that came after that, of coming to know who this Jesus is and, and what it means to, to be in that relationship and what that looks like. But I know in that season, I received Christ. You know, the uh, New Living Translation actually has this as, uh, since you have accepted Christ. And uh, uh, that, that interpretation or that, that translation is, uh, uh, according to most scholars, a bit misguided. Because to say, I accepted, that, that connotes that we're the primary actors uh, in this passage. And that's not the way that Paul writes it. 
so we find in the New International Version, in the New Revised Standard Version, the English Standard Version, and a number of other translations, that they have what we found right here, that, that we have received, as you have received, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Um, this is God coming toward us. God comes toward us, and we receive Christ. It's not something that we do. The next thing we find in this uh, passage is uh, um, that the thing that we receive is not a thing. It's not a teaching. There are other places where Paul will write, other New Testament writers will write that, that we receive the teaching or we, re- we receive the faith. Uh, but here in this context, Paul writes that we receive Christ Jesus the Lord. We receive a person. We receive Christ himself. Now, um, being that we live in the 21st century, uh, there have been, there's been a lot of time since this was written. So we have to go back into the first century and understand the context of, uh, of how this would have been received. Oftentimes we'll think of, when we put the uh, words together, Christ and Jesus, uh, so often as Jesus Christ, we think that Christ is simply Jesus' last name. Uh, but we have to remember that in that first century, there's a statement being made that Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Messiah Jesus, Christ is the uh, Greek word for the, he, 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 the Hebrew word of Messiah. That's a statement being made. And then to say the Lord, I think that NIV or the today, uh, today's New International Version has it as uh, Christ Jesus as Lord. Um, but it's a statement being made that Christ Jesus the Lord, Christ Jesus is the Lord. Uh, and so this is who we receive. We receive Christ Jesus, the Lord. And then the third thing we find uh, is this response, so walk in him, so walk in him. What we find here is that belief um, is followed with behavior. That, and it's not just a belief, but it's a relationship. In receiving Jesus, we in, enter into a relationship, and, and, and relationship has a response so walk in him, so live in him. You know, it, it's important probably to note that uh, the word received is in the aorist indicative. Um, that, what that means is that, that it's a statement of something that happened in the past, this one-time thing of receiving, just as you have received, as you've received, past, an indicative, you have. And then to walk in is this present uh, imperative, which is a command. So, so in the idea of that it's present means that it's this ongoing. So we've received in the past. Um, this is an indicative statement that, that this has occurred. And yet then we're encouraged, now continue, walk in that, to walk in that. Now, let me ask a question of, do you like to walk? Do you like to walk? Not everybody likes to walk. I happen to like to walk. I like to go for hikes. But some people, instead of walking, they like to lounge. Some people, uh, instead of walking, they want to run. Walking is just too slow of an activity. Other people, they want to ride a bike. When it comes to walking with Christ, how do we feel about that? It, It could be that when we think about, gosh, great, I received Jesus, but this walking with him, living in Jesus all the time, it just sounds overwhelming. I'm just set up and doomed for failure. 
Well, it turns out, because of Paul's description, we find out that the bulk of the walking is already done for us. There's something about living in Christ that is established by God. Take a look at the words that Paul provides here that show that at the heart of walking isn't our effort. Here's what defines it. The words rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. What's important to note is that all three of these verbs are they're in a participle form, but they're passive. And scholars have pointed out that this passive voice here is indicating that this is divine activity, that God is at work, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. God rooting us, building us up, and establishing us. The next thing we note is that these are three metaphors. One is agricultural. Um, The second is architectural. And then the third is legal. So start in the agriculture. The, the idea that we're rooted, that, that we have roots that go down deep into, that, that it's not a, a command but a, a description of what God has accomplished for us. Rooted. That we're built up like a, a building. Um, that God has accomplished uh, our building up in him and is accomplishing that in Christ. And then that we're established, like, like as in a legal statement, that, that we have been established uh, in this relationship by God. And so we can look at then that the locality of these activities of God's is that it's in him and in the faith that we're rooted and built up and established, rooted and built up in Jesus, in him, and then established in the faith. That uh, we're spending a lot of time on grammar this, uh, this week. Um, but people uh, that pay attention to such things point out that when we look at in him, it could either be instrumental or having to do with location. Uh, and that both could be at play here. What do we mean by that? That to be rooted in Jesus can be both a location, a domain, that, that that's where we're rooted. It's in him, in the truth of who he is, in his love, in his sacrifice. That's where our rootedness is. But it can also be instrumental in that our rootedness is caused or brought about by Jesus Christ, that our, our, our building up is brought about by Jesus Christ. And when we look at the, the phrase, in the faith, You know, being again that we live in the 21st century, sometimes we think of being established in the faith has more to do with what denomination we've been a part of or or, uh, what kind of worship music we like. Well, well, um, I'm I'm established in the faith. I like the hymns. But it's not talking about that. Remember, back in the first century, the whole concept of faith itself was the good news of the gospel. It was the gospel. It was Jesus Christ. To be established in the faith is to be established in Jesus Christ. Rooted. Built up. Established. Let's let's take a look at what that that really means in our lives. Because if it is true that God brings this work about, 
you would think that all of us, all the time, would be showing his glory in this world, that we would be living these lives fully devoted to Jesus Christ with such clarity about our belongingness to him. It turns out, if you're paying attention at all to people claiming the name of Jesus Christ, that turns out not always to be the case. Let's look at why that is. You'll see on the screen this diagram. I think this is common to a lot of us that, in fact, not just to Christians, but people all over the globe, that people are rooted, built up, and established in something. Everybody is. I I just put five different things up on the screen here. The idea of family or wealth or education experiences, our tribe, the people group that we hang out with. It turns out that, that as we're born into a group, as we live in a group, as we, as we experience things in life, that, that we can be rooted in those things, built up in them, established in them, and sometimes without us even being aware of it. It's not like we sat down and said, you know, I'm going to be a, a, a Midwesterner um, that grew up on a farm and now works as an engineer. That happened around us. And there's something shared by that tribe that, that uh, we might find ourselves rooted in and being built up in and established in. You know, for me, when I look at my own family, and my family, and I've talked a little bit about this before, but um, we had a huge commitment to excellence. Uh, but we also had uh, quite a bit of tension in our family. And, and there was uh, some amount of separation as well You put that together in a mix, and if you're rooted and built up and established in this combination of tension and a commitment to excellence and a disconnectedness, well, that can produce a certain kind of life, and you're not even aware that it's happening. And so let's add Jesus into the question. So when when we receive Jesus, a lot of us try to simply fit Jesus into our lives, as though he's simply another piece of our puzzle. And then we let Jesus splash onto other areas of our life, and and so we see a little bit of Jesus showing up in our family, and and see a little bit of Jesus showing up in our tribe, you know, how we behave with other people that we tend to hang out with, our our group. Um, We see, we maybe let just a little bit of Jesus into our understanding of wealth and in our identity that we find in our wealth. And then we take a piece of all of that and we put it back into our relationship with Jesus and we're just trying to squeeze it all in. Um, And yet, even as we can then claim that I belong to Jesus, we find ourselves still claiming, and I belong to my family, and I belong to my education, and I belong to my tribe, and we try to make it all work. By the way, that's an exhausting way to live. Well, here's what Paul's getting at in his text. Rather than Jesus being a piece of the puzzle, that Jesus is to be our all in all. That Jesus becomes our new identity. That our belongingness to Jesus, our rooted, being built up, being established, becomes all of who we are. That then we go out back into our family, back into our education, back into our tribe, or some other area of our life, not as people trying to make it all fit together, but as people fully belonging to Jesus Christ, 
coming with his love and his grace and our new identity going back into other areas of our life. We can find this, by the way, in the teaching of Jesus in a number of places. One of them happens to be in Luke chapter 14. Take a look at how Jesus describes this. So this is in Luke chapter 14 in verse 26 and 33. Jesus said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, that person cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus is using a little bit of hyperbole. Um, but the point is solid. That there is this surrendering to Jesus, being rooted by God, being established by God, being built up by God in Christ, that is to take over who we are. That our only comfort, our only strength is that we belong not to ourselves, but to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. So down in verse 33, we read, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. There's such fidelity that, that comes along with this belonging to Jesus, this, this being rooted, this being built up, this being established. So let's take a look at how Paul ends up living this out. This is uh, found in uh, Philippians in Philippians chapter uh, 3, beginning in verse 4. So Paul uh, uh, provides a bit of a resume. He begins by saying, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. And he goes through this list of things that put him forward as just... Uh, uh, a kind of rootedness and being built up and being established from a human, from a worldly standpoint. But here's what he says about it in verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Rooted, built up, established, rooted and built up in Jesus, established in the faith, in the gospel, in Jesus Christ. All right, even as we said before, though, that, gosh, if we could all, uh, all people who follow Christ, all people who have received Christ, if we could live this and, and, and embody this, what a different witness it would be in the world. Since we know that that's not the case, that there seems to be a disconnect between what we read and hear here and what we see in Christians, maybe it might be helpful for us to understand what it is to live the truth of our belonging to Jesus. I'd like to put forward three things for us here. The first is this, that for us to remember God has 
is, and will. God has, is, and will. God has rooted us and built us up and established us. God, God is with us now. That what God has begun in us, he will bring to completion. That God one day will send Jesus Christ back and all things will be made new. God has, is, and will. For us to be able to trust this. You know, when I, uh, I remember that, uh, the feelings, I can't remember the actual first time, but I, I can remember the feelings I had when I jumped off a high dive. Maybe you've had a, a, a similar experience. The first time you jumped off a high dive, and you know that feeling of, gosh, I, what's going to happen to me? I'm anxious about this. Um, I'm up awfully high. What's, you know, when you jump off a high dive, all you really have to do is um, trust in gravity, uh, buoyancy, the permeability of the uh, water surface, um, and the rest really takes care of itself. And, and there's that sense in this identity that we have here that, that we can look at it and get all anxious about, well, what does it look like to live fully for God and with God and to understand that the key thing that I can ground all my life on is my belonging to Jesus. And that first piece of it then is simply remembering God has, is, and will. God is at work. God has been at work. God will be at work. God is trustworthy, and he is good. The second thing that I would put before us is um, simply to yield to Christ at the fork. At any and every fork, that we yield to the one to whom we belong. That, that we're not set out simply to, to come up with and, and do all these things. And be all this goodness. But at those moments, we simply yield. You know, um, this is why uh, people spend time in life groups and uh, why people spend time in silence and, and in scripture and in prayer. It's because sometimes it's really hard to remember that God has, is, and will and sometimes we get confused about yielding and, and we can be blind to the opportunity to yield to that which we're rooted in and built up in and established in. And so in those times, in life groups, in silence, we simply remember. We settle ourselves in what God has already accomplished. That our walking in Christ is rooted and built up in Jesus and established in the faith because God has worked these things. The third piece I'd put before us is simply that we would abound in thanksgiving. That's what this text tells us. That we would be abounding in thanksgiving as our living this out. That we would simply be thankful. Yes, that, that we would remember God has, is, and will. That, that we would yield to Christ at the fork. So if we happen to be in a tough conversation with a spouse or, or if we're making a choice about money or, or if we're um, seeing somebody of, of a different background than us, that in those moments we would yield to Christ. But we would do so with thanksgiving. God, you have established me in the faith. God, you have rooted me and built me up in Christ. And for this, I am thankful that I belong to you. 
So we do have a label. We receive Christ. It means that we receive a new label. That I belong. You belong. When you receive Christ, you belong to him. Not to yourself. That the whole of your existence, this is our comfort, our strength, that we belong to him. And that it turns out that the fundamentals of our spiritual health are being rooted and built up and established aren't something that we have to accomplish, but that God has already done for us, which then allows us to answer that question. What is your only comfort in life and in death? And to be able to answer it with that I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the work that you have accomplished on our behalves, that you have brought Christ to us, that we would be able to receive him, and that even as you call us into this walking with him, that you have already done this work of rooting us and, and building us up and establishing us that your spirit is doing these things even now in us. So God, would you take away that tendency to, to let the other things creep in? The old roots, the, the old buildings, the, the old establishments, trying to, to guide our lives, those things that flow out of our tribe or out of our family or out of our education, would you allow, God, for our belonging to you to have the clearest voice into every moment of our day? We give you praise. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, this Sunday, uh, as this comes out on Sunday morning, uh, I want you to know, even uh, if you have time, if you've, uh, uh, if you've watched us before, the time's up. Uh, this Sunday between 9 and 11 a.m., uh, we're going to have somebody here at the church, and they're giving out blessing bags that we can use to uh, help um, uh, come alongside those who might be homeless. Uh, but in addition, we're going to have this bowl of I belong buttons. And if you'd like to pick up one or more and use for yourself or use, use to hand out to uh, your family or others that you know that follow Christ, and you just want to be able to even put that label on yourself as a reminder, maybe as a, as a conversation starter, uh, that they're going to be available here. And, and, and if it's during the week, feel free to email or call into the office, call and talk with Keith Petrin, and, and we'll set up an opportunity for you to be able to get a hold of some of these. Um, may God bless you and keep you. May you, may you understand the love and the grace that he has for you. And may you receive all the blessings that he wants to pour upon you. In Christ's name, amen.